Hello, you're listening to In The Mix, the Great British Bake Off podcast, and we're back for a new episode, episode seven of this season, and it is Caramel Week. My name is Gria, and I'm joined by JP. Hello, hello. Hello. I was very excited about Caramel Week this week. I thought it was going to be a good one. But before we start talking about Caramel, I think the real thing that Twitter exploded on as soon as the episode started was the fact that Chiggs was in glasses. I know. If he'd have done that from the beginning, maybe he'd have got more star bakers. Um, Yeah, he looks quite good in the glasses, though, actually. I thought he suited them quite well. I think so. That was the general consensus, I think, of uh, literally everyone watching the show. That's all people were tweeting about, it seemed, in like the first 10 minutes. (laughs) Nothing about the caramel, nothing about, you know, the challenges. It was just, oh my God, have you seen how good Chiggs looks in his glasses? So. I know, a little bit of style there, a bit of sophistication. Exactly. Um, The whole episode started with the usual little interviews with the uh, contestants. And George, I don't know if they just do this in the edit, but every week it seems the person who is going to have a terrible week says something very confident because George started off saying, I'm fairly confident about Caramel Week. Yeah, I this, the the element of foreboding that we've spoken about so much during this series was once again there. It was like, oh, uh, yes, he just put the nail in the coffin. I mean, no spoilers for who went, but um, yeah, literally George was like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm going to be great on this every week. Yeah, not good. So I feel like we do go into every episode now knowing exactly who is going to leave because <laughs> of what they say at the beginning. You know, I think Maggie did it when she went out. It was her week and we just knew. So mm. we were saying last week, you know, Amanda went. It's definitely going to be George's time. So he, he was all right, though. We'll talk about whether yeah. George deserved to go out later on. Um, <laughs> but Caramel Week, it seemed to terrify a few people, just like the Deep Fat Fryers did Um a few weeks back or last week even um lizzie she said that she was terrified i think maybe she's getting more terrified as the weeks progress um (laughs) but another thing that i thought was quite weird is prue when she was discussing caramel altogether she was like it's just molten sugar and she said something like something like not something you'd eat every day you know i think I don't agree with that. I don't agree no. with the thing that you need to just save caramel for a special occasion. They sort of acted as if it was like a, a, a treat, didn't they? Whereas I'm like, yeah. mm, I think I eat it quite regularly. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm, I'm quite au fait with caramel. This is not one of your out there weeks where none of us have ever tried caramel before in our life. This is quite a staple here in Britain. I mean, think about the amount of chocolate bars that have got it in. I think we know what we're doing, Prue. Exactly. So the first signature challenge this week, it was... Sort of, they left it open, I think, for the bakers. They said they wanted a highly decorative sharing size caramel tart. The flavours needed to enhance the caramel, but the caramel had to be the star. So, first of all, sharing size. That's interesting. Did they just think they were going to make like a really small little sort of jam tart sized thing? I don't know why they needed to (laughs) stipulate it had to be sharing size. And let's be honest here, sharing size is subjective. What is sharing size? For some people, is one for me. So I thought sharing size was an interesting one. Yeah, it would have been brilliant if one of them had come up with like a little tiny caramel tart. There there it is. Yeah, bite-sized. Try it, a little bit of it, Paul and Prue. Um, (laughs) Yeah, sharing size is like when you get a a bag of crisps or something. It says great to share on, meaning if you eat all of this, then you're incredibly fat, which is how I read it. Um, But I then proceed to eat all of it. So don't shame me, crisp packet. That's the thing. It's like cigarettes have got on the side of it. Smoking kills. Fast foods just got share size. No, you're not going to, you're not going with me with that. I'm sorry. Mm, no, no, no. I take that as a challenge. I think more than yeah. like a request to share it with a friend. I'm like, no, it's just me. I'm going to eat the whole bag. Exactly. I mean, you don't get a body like this <laughs> by not eating share size things to yourself. Exactly. And leaving caramel as a treat, Prue. That's not yeah. what I do. Definitely not. I know. Different worlds. I know. So they didn't have just the standard caramel stuff, which was quite good. You know, I just thought it would be, you know, the standard caramel, nice sauce, but then putting flavours with it. People did go all out with their flavour combinations yet again. And in the signature, we do see some really good ones. So I Mm. thought I'd go through a few that stood out for me. Um, Do it. There was just a line when they described Jürgen's caramel tart that I very much enjoyed. Jürgen was making a kumquat creme shaboost. <laughs> what is a shaboost? I have no idea, but I enjoyed saying it. Um, I mean, Jürgen, 
he he does very well every week but i i just feel like he's trying to pick the most zany out there thing to look like yeah i know what i'm doing i'm miles above the rest of the people in this tent i have a shaboost this week i know i mean we've had a decor we've had a jaconde this is the first time i've ever seen a shaboost um <laughs> they're made up and, surely and- and I think the first time that anyone's cooked a blooming kumquat in the middle of the tent as well. I mean, I've never seen one of those. It did make me laugh because when they do the, you know, the doodle, the nice illustration of it at the beginning, and it came up with the label and I was like, what is that? <laughs> yeah, they'd sent one of the runners out to go buy kumquats at the local waitrose or something. You know, you, you can feel that some <laughs> a graduate is very terrified to know what a kumquat is and where to find it. They've been running around. You can just yep. sense it. So You don't get those from Tesco's. Oh, no, 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 no. Absolutely not. And someone else that did uh, some nice fruit caramelization is Lizzie, even though she was terrified. She made this week for her caramel tart a Celine Dion Titanic sort of themed tart, as you do. That's definitely the DVD, isn't it? Come on. I love it. I know. I I could tell what was in the tent this week. It was all about Titanic. It was, definitely. So she had baked caramelised custard and caramelised pineapple with a Chantilly cream. Caramelised pineapple. Oh, I'm just imagining like a toffee apple type thing. To be fair, I like caramelised pineapple. Bit of sugar, fry it. Nice. Um, Yeah, I quite like the the flavour combination for hers. I thought she was... Well, to be fair, Lizzie always does, doesn't she? She sort of pushes herself with the flavours and she focuses more on the taste because of the finesse yep. lack of um but yeah it sounded like quite a nice combo i was like yeah it was good and christelle she had done caramel i think a few weeks back as well and she did the miso caramel and we spoke of it bit being a bit like a salted caramel and she's bought it back she bought it back a few times this week because obviously it went down well the first one so she was like i've tested it i'm not gonna i'm not gonna change the recipe so she was back yeah. with her miso caramel and they described it a bit more this week saying that miso for anyone that doesn't know is a fermented bean paste which i'm sure made everyone mm. feel like it was going to taste really appetizing I know, you have all the ways to describe it. It's like, um, I mean, that is what miso is. And as I said in the earlier episode, when she first did it, it's like I was in Japan this summer, so I yeah. tried miso. And I've now got the same jar as they had on Bake Off in the fridge. Um, Claim to fame. I know, I know. We were like, ooh, that's our jar of miso. <laughs> um, we're so pretentious, <laughs> we're so off a class. But um, yeah, like I, the fact she's brought it back three or four times now, I'm thinking, right, you need to let us go now and try some other flavour combinations. But I still haven't tried, I want to, I'm going to have to try and make some um, because I'm curious. Me too, definitely. I don't mm. think they said though, oh, you know, you did this before. They just sort of, they went with it, didn't they? She did a apple, cinnamon and pecan and miso, miso caramel tart. So it yeah. sounded nice. A bit of sort Sounds of... Sounds so good. You know, the apple and the cinnamon and everything is very like apple crumble, nice warm type mm. dish for now, even though it's filmed in the summer. I feel like now I was sat yeah. there going, oh yes, I could do with an apple crumble dessert or I could eat her caramel tart. It would be really good, so... I like custard. that one. Oh, perfect for November. Absolutely. Um, but did you think just coming up with make a caramel tart, did it just seem a little bit, you know, a cop out really for the caramel week? The first signature <laughs> it was like make a tart, you know, there you go. Yeah, it did. And we're episode seven now. We're down to the last six bakers. I sort of expected a little bit more. Um, I think to be fair, the showstopper, obviously we'll talk about that later, but that was quite a good um, bake. But I think... Both the signature and the technical this week were a little bit safe. Um, and we've spoken, haven't we, about this balance of sometimes if you do the the, the very basic things, like there's not a lot of place places to hide. So here they had the, the pastry of the tart, they had the caramel, they need to make sure that it wasn't um, overheated, you know, it wasn't burnt caramel, they need to make sure that it had been cooked enough to get the colour. So th- there was enough sort of technical stuff in there, but it didn't really wow me. It, it was just sort of like, well, here's a caramel tart. Um... Uh, it was nice not having Maggie going, I'll just do a classic caramel tart and leave it as that. Um, but yeah, it, I don't know. It, it was, it wasn't a bad start, but it just wasn't no. sort of the best start to the episode. It was a bit underwhelming, that one. Yeah, it was really. That's what I thought, a bit underwhelming. But I guess if it's the simple challenges, then it gives people watching, you know, the ability to actually see what's wrong or going to go wrong. You know, we know what caramel's mm-hmm. meant to be like. As you say, you know what the pastry's meant to be like. So I guess we, as the armchair bakers, which is your coined phrase that we use every week, um, hey. we can then sort of 
understand exactly how wrong they're going because I guess the other side of it is when we had German week and we came on here and we were like <laughs> we have no idea what these biscuits are meant to be like how are we meant to judge it <laughs> so it's always either one or the other I think I know it's like we have no idea what German biscuits look like because none of us have been um yeah no you're right it, it makes it a lot easier for us to understand out here um in armchair baker land and uh i suppose it makes it easier considering again we've said this before considering we don't get to taste these when you hear things like um you know george did a caramel custard and banana tart you can imagine that you know it was you, you knew it was a sort of banoffee thing with custard in it you get a good idea of what it's going to taste like so I, I suppose you're sort of more um you're able to sort of work with the episode a little bit more and understand and, and feel like you want to try it i suppose exactly um i think it was an easyish one to sort of understand what could go wrong. They explained it quite well this week. So what they were mm. after is to have the caramel not be rock hard like a toffee or not be runny like a sauce. So we needed the, the good middle ground. So that was something to look out for. But then in the signature challenge, it was all about making sure the tart had cooled. And so there were yes. two different you know, styles going on. You had some people that were going to sort of pour their um, caramel base into their pastry pastry is it a pastry tart i guess it yeah, is Short crust i think most pastry. of them did yeah, yeah. and so they were, some people were pouring mm. it in and then chilling it in the fridge and other people they were doing sort of a baked element so then they, they had to make the tart cool and then add the cream on top so i think it was like looking at half the bakers to see what they were doing and the half that had to cool it down after it coming out of the oven before they were adding cream or custard or whatever they were the ones that were going to have the issue <laughs> and i think that was uh lizzie and george definitely they were the ones in that category um yeah. and there were some really good moments where uh, lizzie when she was describing her bake to paul and prue at the beginning they asked you know have you managed to make it cool at all in your practices and she was like no but i'm just carrying on and paul was <laughs> like why and i was sat there thinking well paul it's the competition and that's what she has to do <laughs> you don't give them enough time I think I love that more about this series Bakers than ever before because this year they're just like do you know what I've practiced this I'm sticking with it and they're just they've they've got their conviction and it just makes me laugh because actually there, there hasn't been anything that's been a true utter disaster that we've had in some of the years gone by it's been quite a good year um but yeah I just love it and they're like well I'm, I'm sticking with it stick with my convictions and um yeah they're quite a headstrong bunch this lot I really like this year's bunch me too. They sort of bite back a bit to Paul and Prue, don't they, sometimes? Yeah. It's usually Paul. Maybe it's that whole lockdown bubble. They've become friends with him. So <laughs> other years, they're a bit like, oh, I'm a bit scared. It's Paul Hollywood. But this year, they've yeah. seen Paul having a drink. They've played a quiz together. They've seen him, you know, chilling out. So actually, they're just like, He's oh, been... yeah, it's Paul. He's been dancing on tables. We know it. You know, <laughs> we saw Achey Breaky Heart in the first episode. Oh, I'm bringing no. it back again. You know, once you've seen that, you can't unsee it. And all no. of a sudden, Paul is not scary anymore. Exactly. They've been doing karaoke <laughs> every week in that bubble. It looked like not good. Um, oh, God. So, yeah. Terrible scenes. You know, thinking of that is not good. <laughs> you've brought Achey Breaky Heart back up. That, no, I thought I'd Achy erased Breaky it. Achey Breaky Heart. Oh, oh, there's the pun for this week. God. Wonderful. Oh, even worse. <laughs> I'm oh, so sorry no. to everybody watching and listening. Thank yes. you. Good. Yeah. Um, there was a bit of uh, soggy bottom potential this week, which is something we look out for because that is a Bake Off standard thing, soggy bottoms. Oh, yes. I know. So we had to look out for that. Um, and it, it was just Lizzie and George having a bit of, bit of a nightmare at the beginning. Um, one person more than the other. George had a wonderful shot where he was trying to sort of pipe out his cream on top of his uh, banoffee pie tart. Uh, and it sort of looked like it was coming out sort of in lumps and it was quite thick and it didn't look appetizing. It looked a little bit sort of toilet humour for a bit. It did. It sort yeah. of had the texture of plaster. It just really came out in this sort of very thick sausage yeah. on top of the thing. And then didn't he just sort of pick it up with his hands as well? It was melting. And just melting. Sort of try and put it back in the piping bag. Yeah. I was like, okay, what, what you've done there is you literally <laughs> just, just ruined it, George, bless him. I know, it was that shot of... George, he's very humble, he's very quiet, but he's also very heavy-handed, which is what I really yeah. enjoy. So it was melting on top and he didn't think, oh, I need a, like a spoon or a scoop or whatever. He just went and grabbed it Great. out of the top. 
And I mean, it did look as if someone was down the park and their dog had just, you know, <laughs> done something and they were using a bag. That's what I thought. But then there was a bit where some of the cream was on the bench and he just used like a palette knife or something to scrape it off the bench and put it back in the bag. And I was like, yeah. okay. You know, as we were talking about <laughs> cleanliness the other week on these types of cooking shows, that did make me question how clean the bake-off is. I know, you just sort of like, oh, they've seen it now and, and now Prue and Paul have got to eat that. I mean, they've been eating things that have been undercooked, again from George. Um, so <laughs> yeah. yeah, why not? Oh, I'm George. starting to think that George is trying to poison them. <laughs> I know, kind of worried. he is. Oh, George is... That, that sausage from last week is still so funny. Freezing the sausage so is... That's a great moment from Bake Off. Um, he said another line as well. He's saying, I just pray my caramel doesn't curdle. Don't say these things, George. It's going to happen. Yeah. You're tempting fate. It didn't look yeah. great at the beginning. It was sort of like a bit lumpy and there were like bubbles mm. and things. It, it didn't look like a nice smooth caramel, did it? No, it didn't. And um, yeah, just sort of the custard he had in there curdled, the caramel went a bit lumpy, the cream on top. Yeah, it was just a bit of a disaster for him. Really, his one should have been the iceberg moment that Lizzie was talking about, really. Exactly. It really should have been. It should, definitely. Um, who's in the signature do you think looked the best? Oh, do you know what? This is interesting because this, so the signature last night, or in this episode, I think for the first time this series was one where nobody really did that great nobody nobody really did well and when the judges were given the feedback it was sort of like if uh, everyone had something that that wasn't good so i mean i loved chiggs's one i think the sugar work on top the spiral you know and the nest i thought was brilliant but he made the caramel too dark so that didn't really work it was too bitter so it didn't work with flavor um i've got christelle's one i thought was quite neat hers um and giuseppe's giuseppe's looked great as well but just they all had something wrong with it. It was yeah. quite unusual. We don't usually get that in Bake Off, particularly in the second half of the series, and particularly with these bakers. I mean, we, we've spoken about the fact that, you know, we've got Giuseppe and Jürgen, who are brilliant bakers. Chiggs and Christelle have got a star baker as well. They're great. You can you can guarantee that there's always going to be one great bake in each round. And there just wasn't for the signature. It was really weird. It was a bit strange. You know, we sort of thought, oh, caramel week, it's quite basic. Everyone knows how to make yeah. a caramel. We eat it all the time. And then actually, even Giuseppe was having a bit of a struggle in some of the, the challenges and the elements this week. He was worried about his caramel first off. So it was surprising. It, it was hard to pick mm. out possibly who did the best. So I think you're right. Um, Giuseppe, he's been my favourite throughout the whole thing. I'm team Giuseppe <laughs> over team Jürgen. That, that's just a fact. You are. But he did say something this week that sort of made him go down in my estimations just a little oh, bit. Oh no! It's the Jürgen moment from last week it with is. Giuseppe this week. Jürgen's, oh no. Jürgen's little bit of smugness last week made me go, oh, <laughs> you know. Shows how fickle I am with my, like, allegiances you with are. these people. I know. It's just a you TV are. show. Come on. But I'm getting very into it. Um, <laughs> Giuseppe made a joke about uh, things need to be hot and cool. And he said, oh, don't worry, I'm used to it. I have an Italian wife. And I was like, oh, mm. oh, he made a wife joke. And they left the wife joke in. It's a bit that sort of old thing of all oh, my mother-in-law or, you know, the, yeah. the wife indoors at home, you know, or the missus. I was, um, was going to say, say it's, it's the missus. It's like, bleh. yeah, um, which is hilarious considering not in its tone because I hate it when people do that but in uh, the first couple of weeks we didn't even know he was married no. because it was all about his sons and yeah. nothing about we were like you know we were t we were talking off a podcast is he divorced <laughs> uh, you know like is it working at his marital what? status exactly we're like come on let's Facebook yeah. um you know, but, but then all of a sudden we've had quite a few mentions about his wife, but there was, you're right, that moment yesterday where it was just like, oh, mm, yeah, no, he's trying to be funny. No. Uh, it's that sort of humour that I just wish they wouldn't put out on TV anymore because then it just encourages people who think it's funny in everyday yeah. life. So I was a bit like, no, I'm disappointed. Um, mm. But I guess it's something that I hate that sort of like how's the missus stuff i once found out that someone i knew asked uh, about me as the missus how's the missus uh, and i heard the co i wasn't even there but i heard the comment and then i deleted them on facebook <laughs> because i was like mm, i i actually Gone. knew you personally anyway so if you're referring to me as the missus sorry mm. bye i know not good yeah, so i, I don't like that i've not written giuseppe off yet 
but uh, you know, I, <laughs> he's got his first strike. Yeah, he's on the way. I know, bit sort of uh, naughty corner he needed to go to for a little bit. So yeah. I wasn't, I wasn't that sort of distressed when his caramel wasn't <laughs> perfect this week. Ooh, ooh, I know. Mean. mean, mean, very mean. God, we get too into this Bake Off thing. It's only a competition. Come on, um, only. Only, I know. Life or death takes over our lives, doesn't it? Something that we enjoy and we talk about a lot is when they have to make a standard favourite that everybody knows and loves from the shop and they have to make it from scratch. And the technical challenge this week, we were so excited last week trying to work out what they were going to call the Twix and they called it Caramel Biscuit Bars. I was disappointed by that. I I still maintain it should have been some sort of um, caramel layered biscuit bar or, or something like that yeah when they went caramel biscuit bar I was like, that's underwhelming i know i know we made such a thing of it as well but they missed out chocolate chocolate is a big part yeah. of the twix i know but what i loved again this was i think a first for me for bake off there were so many jokes particularly from matt lucas about the fact they couldn't use the name he was sitting there going, we all know what it's called really and and things like that and it was just sort of a um a little nudge, wasn't it, to the fact it's like, oh, this is ridiculous that we can't call it. It's obviously a blooming Twix. Come exactly, on, exactly. Um, didn't check, didn't check the adverts though after Malt Loaf Serene advert in episode one. Do you know I actually did because I'm very, I very sad. I thought you would. <laughs> <laughs> I, have, I knew I you have would. a life, everyone. I know you don't believe me, um, but she I does. did sit. No, I don't. Uh, I sat uh, with the fast forward on on Sky. Because I wasn't going to sit and watch the adverts. I'm sorry, that would be weird. Sure, but fast sure. forwarding through to see, no, there wasn't. Sure. There were Christmas ads, which bit early, everyone. I know it's November now, but okay. Calm yourself. Um, Calm yourself. Uh, Calm down. But there wasn't mm. a Twix ad. We didn't have the, you know, are you a left side or right side Twix ad? Come on. I thought they might have revitalized <sighs> it for just one showing, but they didn't. Yeah. I was also sort of hoping that there would be a bit of a left side, right side joke with um, Nolan Matt. I was yeah. hoping they would do something about that. And it again, I, I suppose they can't because it's advertising. But um, yeah, I was sort of like, ooh. Yeah. They're a bit stuck on being characters again. You know, Matt Lucas <laughs> pretending to be someone from the union and then uh, saying yeah. the time check very roughly in a different voice and stuff. So yeah, it, unless it involves a voice or transforming into a different character, I don't think we're going to get those jokes. I know. I, I think the time calls this year stem from my GCSE drama days. Um, I really do. It's sort of move around the studio like this. <laughs> it is a bit like that. I was thinking, <laughs> why bit. are they so not funny? You know, I, I was watching mm. and I thought, actually, what they're doing is making everyone in the tent laugh. They're not really thinking about how it's going to come across on TV. A silly voice while Christelle is trying to, you know, panicking to make a cake or whatever. And she laughs because it's she's so serious in her mind, but they're mucking about. Okay, I can probably see that being funny. But then when you translate yeah. that to the rest of us who sit there like, that wasn't a joke, he just went northern, <laughs> you know? It's like, come on. Maybe when they're back out of the bubbles, things might be a little bit better. Also, we had a uh, Giuseppe time call as well. That's the second time this year we've had a baker do a time call. We had a Cristel time call and now an Italian Giuseppe one. Yeah, I did I like, like that. that one. I thought it was good yeah. when he went full on Italian. See, I don't hate yeah. him that much. He's still my winner. I know. <laughs> there you go. It's your winner. Oh, come on. Captain, my captain. Oh, God. Oh, dear. Why, why do I talk on this podcast? I make Get that so, sound say so many weird clips and I'm sit, sitting there editing like, why did that come out my mouth? That's very um, strange. I'm just, I'm just as bad. This is why I'm more than happy for you to do the editing because I don't want to hear myself again. Brilliant. Oh, 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 no. I know. So for any strange people out there who haven't eaten a Twix before... First of all, please go out if you've got the money and buy yourself one and live a little because you yeah. need to eat one. Um, but Where have you been? I know, but they needed to make shortbread fingers with caramel and thick chocolate poured over the top. Um, and there was an interesting way they were making the shortbread, I thought, in the bottom of like a loaf tin. It seemed really weird, but I guess maybe that's what you'd need to make it in. Yeah, I was, um, I don't know, I thought considering... It, it was a bar. I thought they'd use like the silicon bar molds that we've seen of years yeah. gone by for sort of biscuit bars and things like that. Um, so I thought that was a little bit strange. It did make me laugh when George got his out and it sort of cracked and he was like, oh, please, please let that be in the right place because they all had to be 1.8 centimetres wide, um, according to, I think it was Giuseppe who'd measured it and, and did that. But um, it was a 
a weird technique. It, it just, was. Yeah, it felt a bit odd, a bit risky. It didn't seem like there was a standard technique to actually use. It ah. seemed like they were all <laughs> guessing and they'd all tried to guess how to make a Twix. And I think the actual point is Twixes aren't made individually by humans. They are probably made on this <laughs> massive conveyor belt with specialist machines built purely to make a Twix. So trying to make one in the yeah. bake-off tent is quite a hard challenge. They did mm. say, Jürgen it was in fact, said the one in the shop is perfect why on earth would you try and make it at home and i agree with that did you think that you know it seemed quite a hard challenge really yeah i I did sort of sit there and think okay it's a bit of a weird one to do again i suppose they've done it because we can relate to it at at home you know we know what it tastes like we know what it looks like um but it it reminded me a little bit of another channel four show snack masters where they have you know tried making shreddies and monster munch and things like that and it with the the malt loaf and with this and the sandwich jammy biscuits um they've done quite a bit of that this year where it's like try and make this popular snack and um i don't know it's sort of a new direction they've gone with this year but i I kind of like it but also when jürgen said that yesterday i was like do you know what yeah like none of you are going to make a twix we know it's a twix um the, the, the judges know it's a twix i mean even their ones in the in the tent where they were tasting to begin with didn't look right because they piped chocolate on top it wasn't rippled like a good old Twix you know and um yeah I don't know it just it it felt a a bit strange but I totally get why they did that as a technical yeah um I thought so in the preview last week we were just like yes it's a Twix (laughs) yeah I mean we we were very excited about the fact it was going to be a Twix so we can't complain that much um But the Twixes that were presented, you're right, they didn't look like Twixes at all. And actually, most of them looked like a right mess that were brought up to the front. (laughs) Yeah, they did. Um, Again, it's that bit in every technical where you get the last 15 minutes where they're putting things together and you've got George sort of splodging caramel on top. Um, You know, one of the big things was the fact that caramel has to be pipeable, can't be too stiff um so that it's hard to bite into but also that it doesn't run down the side of the biscuits and yeah it was just great to see the different um like ways that the bakers are putting them on and some of them are working some not they said a lot of them that were brought up to the front were very messy but then some of them were really toffee types instead of caramel and it was george definitely that both prue and paul bit in (laughs) i think they were like oh we're gonna have to have a filling after this i know every time they cut something on this episode there would be that moment where all of us at home are like, oh my God, please can Paul not get through it? Because it's just hilarious. There were a couple in the showstopper where he's like hacking it with a knife and you're like, you're going to have to try and eat that in a minute. Yeah. It's going to hurt. I think the Twix challenge put into perspective slightly how much Prue and Paul have to eat and try during the bake-off. <laughs> Because I guess, you know, having a little tiny mouthful of cake or whatever, I just think, oh, yeah. But actually, they were having like a chunk of Twix from everyone. And I was thinking, Mm. how many Twixes does that equate to? You know, actually, they're probably (laughs) piling in the calories, having to go on a little workout or a run around the the hotel and spa or wherever where they stay at. So I was like, yeah, "Yeah, that actually makes me think, oh, they do. They do put a lot away (laughs) in the Bake Off throughout the 10 weeks that they have. I, I imagine they've got one of the sort of exercise bikes from the gym there and just be like, can you just bring it around to the back of the tent just in yeah. between bakes? Just like, I'm just, I'm just going to go and cycle yeah. for an hour. Just work off the Twix. Yeah. That's what they do in the technical, I guess. That's <laughs> what they do. They go and do the little bit in the little tent and then they sit and do a step aerobics workout. Yeah. Why That's not? What it is. Um, can you remember the order in which uh, people came this week in the technical? Who was first and who was last? Yes. So um, Giuseppe was top which was good Giuseppe and Jürgen top two and actually I I think both of theirs were um a step above I did the typical thing of trying to jot down notes as they were doing them um Jürgen's ones weren't very neat uh Giuseppe's ones very neat great cross-section very uniform but soggy biscuit which wasn't great inside um Chigs came third it was great with flavor but a bit messy soft inside um Christelle was fourth it was quite soggy um, it was quite messy, but the taste was okay. Lizzie was fifth. The biscuit was rubbery. She'd overworked it and it was really messy, which means in sixth position, <laughs> once again, <laughs> good old George. Lovable um, George. Yeah. <laughs> Lovable George. Um, yeah, it, for him, it was the biscuit wasn't great. The toffee was really solid. Uh, well, it was toffee, not caramel. And um, it just looked a mess as well, bless him. There was no uniformity there whatsoever. There mm-hmm. wasn't. He tried. No. And that George he is a did. trier. That's what we know about George. I know. I know. We do love George. 
So let's have a little look at the Showstopper Challenge this week, which could have caused a lot of nightmares. I think it definitely did for Christelle, but it looks there were things that could be broken, which is always an exciting challenge to have for the rest we of us them. watching at home. We do. Oh, yeah. I know. So they had to create a visually spectacular, which I like. They were sort of, you know, hamming it up a bit. Visually spectacular caramel flavored dessert with a sugar work dome or sphere. It had to have one baked element, you know, the least, and two caramel components. And they had four and a half hours, which is mad. Uh, first <laughs> of all, the one baked element. I thought that was odd for a baking show. You you just have to bake one thing, you know, uh, but two caramels, I know. I know that's the week, but it seemed odd just to be like one baked element. Yeah, it was strange. It's like we want some layers, we want some baking, some set elements. But I, yeah, I, again, it was one of those, it was a bit weird. I quite liked this one because there were different elements to it. But I, it, it is the bake-off. And I think sometimes we lose it a little bit during... Um, sort of caramel week and there was another one we've had in the last couple of years where there wasn't really any baking going on yeah it's a tricky one um but yeah i like the challenge it was good and some great ideas oh definitely i think uh someone who keeps trying to push forward and i think he just likes being in a realm that's completely above everyone else which is jürgen and i thought we had to talk about him first <laughs> with the showstopper because he listed off such a long long list of what he was going to include in his dessert um so I'm going to read it out to you because it, it oh, is long on. and I wrote them go all on. down. Uh, oh, so, well done. Thank you. So he was going to have ladyfingers <laughs> on the outside. There was a caramel, a hazelnut praline, a caramel bavoir, short crust pastry on the bottom, mango and passion fruit bavoir, chocolate genoese, um, caramel bavoir as well. So many bavoir. Um, passion fruit glaze on the top and the dome had underneath a mango flower. I mean, wow. Jürgen. I know. He fitted a lot in four and a half hours. And what was funny is when Paul and Prue came round to have a look at what he was going to do, Paul made a joke about, oh, you sure you got enough or is that it? And Jürgen was like, oh, I could probably make some more things. And he was yeah. like, no, don't, please, no. It's like we've learned this. Jürgen doesn't do humour very well. He doesn't do nicknames, we learned in this episode. Yes. And he doesn't do humour. Um, but yeah, it made me laugh. I did write down here, I wrote down here that Jürgen had 107 steps in his recipe. That uh, he is just sort mad. of showed off this, you know, sort of novel of steps that he was going to do. I like it when they're ambitious. And for me, that was what was like, okay, after a couple of really quite classic to quote maggie yeah and easy bakes i was like this this is what we want this is what we want from a showstopper um and yeah so i was quite looking forward to jürgen's one exactly and it was a proper showstopper you know it wasn't Ooh, yeah. just a, a simple thing he did really do well talking about nicknames he was sort of saying i don't understand that english thing of having an s on the end of uh, people's names when you shorten it um but he didn't he call himself jurgenator the other week so if you're not a fan of nicknames you've come up with the weirdest one ever i know the jurgenator is back what i also love with that one is jurgen going oh, i don't really know why why people have you know s's at the end of nicknames and then I, I don't know if it's a nickname or if it is his name but literally the next shot chigs i was like hmm <laughs> right somebody's getting a little bit shady in the edit suit <laughs> there to be like to like s's on the end of names chigs that's true. I loved how Jürgen panicked trying to come up with an example because now I'm like trying to think of an example and I can't think of one. But no, it, he can't. said he, for Matt Lucas, he called Matt's and he was like, mm, Matt's doesn't really work. But like, uh, I'm, I'm trying to think of one now. Like, oh, I guess like I Jules, it's Julia Jules, I guess. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so. that's a good one. That's literally all I can think of. That's literally it. Yeah. Jürgen you know. doesn't like people called Jules. Jules, um, I know. What is what we've ascertained there. <laughs> we have. But he was going really overcomplicated with his showstopper. And then we cut mm. to lovely George, who has said oh. several times in this challenge that he was trying to simplify everything. Um, and he didn't <laughs> want to make it too complicated. And he was doing... Oh, he had... He said he didn't want to make it too complicated, but my list is still quite long for George as well. It said um, salted caramel, Italian meringue buttercream, smooth chocolate ganache, hazelnut and almond dequoise. And I've put nut meringue as well, which I'm sure they said, but that seems a very nut meringue. Nut meringue. That's simple. Um, so he, I mean, his sounds great anyway. Jürgen mm. just went overboard. So poor George, he did... He, he wasn't very confident going into this, despite the whole episode being confident. He said that he had packed his bags last night, which I liked. 
I know it was quite sweet and I, I think he sort of took a leaf out of Maggie's book in the fact he was like okay well if I'm gonna mess up something complicated I'm gonna go for something classic a little bit more simple and I'm gonna try and execute it really really well um I also love talking about the suitcase thing when Noel came back in uh to the tent with half of his stuff because he'd, he'd gone to George's room yeah took some clothes out of his suitcase and said he was wearing his pants which was <laughs> I don't know why I just I creased up at that moment because at that point I'm like I'm thinking well there's a good chance of him going home he's gonna be pretty hacked yeah. off if you have taken out of his suitcase um but yeah that was I thought it was quite a sweet moment actually it was that quite was nice good that, that yeah, was actually, like that. Noel really committed to that joke. And that was why it was really he funny. Did. He actually ran off to his room and came back. And George was like, they're actually my shirts. That is actually <laughs> my stuff. So that was funny. He did I'd unpack like to, for him. I'd like to see Noel Fielding going up to reception going, really sorry. Um, I need to get into, uh, how did he do that? Like what, <laughs> what was his reason? What was his technique? Did he sort of creep around a corner? And, I mean, Noel Fielding is the person to do that. Exactly. They had four and a half hours. So Noel could have just ran up, gone and got one of the housekeeping <laughs> staff and just planned it. He needed something to do in that time. It wasn't all time checks. So yeah, running around. Oh, Why not? So the main issue with this challenge, everyone did quite a nice dessert, but the main issue was making that sugar dome. And I was quite surprised because, you know, in, in our armchair baking knowledge, I didn't realise that you didn't have to make it purely out of sugar. And I think George, was George the only one that made it purely out of sugar? He was, yeah. He was the only one that was brave enough to. And yeah. so they could have used this isomalt stuff, which is very... Um, I don't know. I, I've seen it on... So I was talking about Great British Menu. Always. I'm not on commission, I promise. <laughs> um, but professional chefs use it because it's a lot more stable and easy to use and, and work with. Um, and you can get some funky colours like Lizzie's one, which we'll talk about that in a moment because that was yeah. awesome. Um, but yeah, George was the only one who was brave enough to go for the sugar. And I thought, to be fair to him, well done. You yeah. Know, considering, considering he was trying to make it easier for himself he actually went with the, the harder ingredient to make the dome out of exactly and i think when you compare it to what chig said in the episode where he admitted that he had been practicing the the sugar dome for ages with pure sugar and he said he made it for about 16 times with two kilograms of sugar and it kept breaking until he found isomalt but george he, he just didn't break at all even paul and prue were surprised no. when they took it off at the end to try the dessert it didn't break so George needed, I think, a bit more um, praise for doing that, I think. I think it was brave. Yeah, I did. And all the way through that, I mean, he, um, particularly with the dome, but, but with the whole bake, actually, I was quite impressed. And as I was getting through, considering he came last in the technical and his signature wasn't the best, there was definitely that moment that crossed my mind of, has he saved himself here? Like, yeah. Has he literally... Because we've had that. We've had people that have been right down the bottom. And, you know, at this point we had Lizzie and George who were sort of down towards the bottom. And uh, they've saved themselves with a great showstopper. And particularly when he managed to pull off the dome, I thought he, he could have got through again, just. Exactly. He could have done. I even think Chiggs was quite sort of in the running to leave this week. He wasn't as mm. sort of scraping through I guess as well as he usually does um and yeah I was surprised that he did so well really George and his showstopper I think Prue even said it was delicious and everything so it, it mm. was odd um but something I liked was how everyone had a different technique to make their dome not everyone was going for the same thing so it wasn't the case of who did the best in the practice tent while Titanic was on you know and see what <laughs> what we can copy and all do they all had their own different styles so you had mm. um George and Jürgen doing exactly the same style which was interesting because Jürgen's was the best dome and and George you know he he went out so they were doing the same thing of having a bowl with yeah. some cling film over the top and then I think they were using a cake tin to sort of manipulate the cling film to go as a dome so the sugar would stay as a dome which I thought was really good you That's had really clever it was you had a few people then using silicon molds uh, and then also some uh, Lizzie and Chiggs they were using balloons pouring on the top and then you know filling it with water and letting it go out which I thought was good rather than popping it which is what I thought they would be doing <laughs> um so yeah it was interesting to see everyone's different technique yeah, it was. And um, various different levels of success. And you're right, considering they'd been doing this in the practice tent, you would have thought that they would have um, 
reconsider or maybe it worked in the practice tent but you know we had um jürgen and george definitely the best domes and so the you know cling film over the bowl technique i think was really good on the other side you then have the silicon ones we had giuseppe who's um don't really cloudy and it was full of bubbles mm. um which paul and prue picked up on and said you know you couldn't really see through it he was blowtorching it at one point going oh yes this makes it clearer didn't work no um and then christelle who had an absolute mare and ended up making four domes but her first three with the silicon mold and all of those didn't work so i thought that was interesting that those two obviously you know they, they did have big problems with theirs and if they'd been practicing it they stuck with their guns again, which, I don't know, it was a bit weird. Yeah, I think so. Christelle, you're right, she tried it several times and it was sort of <laughs> a race against time as to whether she would get a dome on top of her dessert or not. And um, the thing that I thought was interesting with her silicon mould, I think Giuseppe was pouring it straight into the mould, whereas Christelle, she had a layer of cling film in the middle, which I didn't really get why. Maybe to sort of no. help it come out, but... I think that caused a lot of the issues because it was kind of stuck between the cling film and yeah, it was just, it was just really hard to get out and she did crack it mm. several times and it was a bit sort of tense towards the end. I think Noel said, who else is having a heart attack on behalf of Christelle? <laughs> Which I it liked. Was, it was so, it was, it was the most dramatic finish we've had in so long. So she smashed the first one, the second one wouldn't come out, the third one come out. And then in fact, she ended up using the balloon technique um and let's be honest here it wasn't really christelle's dome it was lizzie's dome yeah because not only did she help with the balloon but also then when christelle picked up the the fourth and final dome that she made with the balloon, she then put it back into the silicon mold where it got stuck again i was like oh christelle that, come on that was so embarrassing wasn't it you know she was so excited that it worked and then she just put it down in the mold and I it got know. stuck and she was like oh God, how bad is this going to be if it doesn't work? And her and Lizzie were then trying to get it out. You know, it was nice to see them helping each other. I think that those two have become mm. friends as well as Freya. I think, you know, all three of them were quite good friends being in the bubble together and everything. So it was nice to see that despite it being the competition, they actually helped each other yeah. as friends. Yeah, it was lovely. And um, but so it was it was great to have the drama. And again, it's that tricky thing this year because we all seem to like all the bakers. And when that happens, we're like, yes, we want the drama. But also I was like, oh, you know, Christelle could go out now. Yeah. And, you know, oh, it was really hard to say goodbye to anyone this week, I've got to say. I know it was. And Christelle, she did another like heartwarming story for her showstopper this time. We had her <laughs> great nan's bake last week. And this week it was for her granddad, Greg, and the, the cactus yep. that he sounded like he randomly bought round one day to her house and they've kept it there ever since so they made a nice cactus garden um for him which i thought was lovely so i wanted yeah. her to do well i wanted granddad greg to have his sugar work dome on top of the cake so i'm glad that lizzie yeah. stepped in and helped yeah me too it was it was such a nice thing and so a lovely story behind it again and it did look great at the end it did. Um, let's talk about Lizzie's bake now, because she kind of got away from the transparency issue by <laughs> having it totally fine being translucent and having it blue. Um, yeah. I mean, Jürgen's dome, I'm sorry, it looked like pure glass. No one else even got close to what Jürgen's looked like. Yeah. It was amazing. Amazing. But Lizzie, she turned the whole thing on its head, literally, and made a blue dome and also decided to use it as a bowl instead. I thought it was genius and I um look you and I really like Lizzie and we've sort of been championing her all the way through and I'm really really glad that she's got this far and I was worried for her this week and coming into this bake she was sort of towards the bottom again it was between her and George and we've been talking or they've been talking about finesse all the way through the weeks and it finally felt like she cracked it this week. Um, you know, the, the bowl, she did a second one because the first one, she didn't like the drips. They were too irregular and too long. You know, she was really thinking about it. The flowers on top looked brilliant. I love the idea of the design. But then <laughs> they went into it and it wasn't as good. Exactly. The roses look really good on top. You know, let's Amazing. have a look what they were made out of. I've got got my notes uh apple and toffee pastry roses that's good mm. apple cake calvados and she did a sage flavored caramel as well which was interesting another interesting. strange flavor again she used rosemary in a dish not that long ago so i remember talking about that so sage i'm not sold on it um 
But yeah, the roses <laughs> look beautiful. The blue looked great as a bowl. But yeah, you are correct when they got a spoon into it. Paul had to get a spoon, first of all. That's yeah. that's a bad sign. And it did look weird. just sort of like, it was a bit mush, wasn't it? It was just like mush cake mm. come out. And they were like, it's a bit like a trifle, a bit strange. And I'm like, well, you did ask for a dessert. You didn't specify what yeah. dessert. She could have made a trifle. It's fine. <laughs> That is very true. It I didn't is. think about it like that. But yeah, it was just such a shame because it looked so beautiful on the outside. And they were like, oh, it's so finessed. And then they were like, oh, it's just all chucked in, in yeah, the middle. I and I was like, Lizzie. I know she missed out. She didn't think of the uh, the substance, did she? She was thinking about the style because of that whole finesse comment throughout the whole episode. Um, I know. So, yeah, they, they, was, they weren't mm. a fan. Um George, we've already said already that when um, it was brought up to the front, Prue said it was delicious and she wanted to keep eating more of it. And they were surprised that the dome was so good. But Paul then went on a bit of a a rant about how it was very dry. And I just thought Mm. George deserved a lot more positive, you know, feedback for his desserts than possibly Paul was allowing him to have. Yeah, I totally agree. It was there was a bit of good cop, bad cop there, actually. Prue was being really nice. Um, and even when Paul started being negative, Prue was like, well, I, I quite like the texture. You know, when you have a bit of all of it together, then it works. And yeah. you're, you're right. I mean, when you put the six of them next to each other and you take all of the comments into consideration, George's was second best. And again, it was an episode where nothing went perfect. I mean, Giuseppe's had some, some, you know, really nice tastes in there, but the dome was a bit foggy and the textures were all off, yeah. which we don't expect from Giuseppe. And, you know, there were some right nightmares in there, but George did really, really well. And he went out, I think, on probably his best bake or, or one of the best in, in the, you know, the, his series, but he didn't get good feedback. And it was so unsatisfying because I was like, he's done so well. <laughs> I know he deserves some, you know, that, that feeling of, oh yeah, I did it. Um, but yeah. I think maybe it's, down to that time in the competition where they look back at previous bakes as well and think oh who should go you know it can't just be on the strength of one bake I guess but yeah I thought it was an excellent one from George and he should be proud of his uh whatever they called it at the beginning visually spectacular caramel dessert so yes it was so I I thought it looked brilliant I was I was really impressed and say what one to finish his uh I was about to say journey journey journey. yeah Um, Jürgen obviously got Star Baker yet again. Do you think it, yes! was, it was right this week? Yes! Yes, I did! Yes, I did. Um, yeah. Uh, no, I, I thought he did do really well. Obviously, it was it was tight between um, Jürgen and Giuseppe all the way through. Um, Giuseppe's when it went a bit wrong. But to be fair, I agree with what Paul and Prue said, the fact that you had Lizzie and George at the bottom. But I think any of the other four could have got star baker actually um chigs and christelle were third and fourth in the technical they had some nice flavor combinations in the first one yeah i I thought it could have gone anyway but i was really happy that jürgen got another one because obviously after getting the first two i think everyone expected him to just be amazing and then he just sort of dropped and dropped and dropped so if he i don't know if he hadn't have got another one before you know, when he's out or the final, you know, however it works for him. I think that would have been a bit disappointing and a bit strange. So I'm glad that he got another one. I think so. Jürgen seems to be like the person in school who gets straight A's and then maybe goes slightly off the rails a little bit for some reason. And then when they're back at A-levels, tries to claw it back. Um, Mm. Because that 107-step method that he had for his caramel dessert, that is a sign of a man that wants to get back to his former glory and that feeling of, you know, being the best in the tent. So he really tried. And I feel like this week, even though I'm not really Team Jürgen, he did deserve it because that dome... I, I just don't understand how he managed to get it so transparent when everyone else's had bubbles and everything. And But but it looked like a window. How how did he even manage it? I have no idea. It was so good. And uh, I mean, I am I am Team Jürgen, but I've, I've got a bit, I'm not as Team Jürgen as I was at the beginning of the series, despite the fact I just cheered at the top of my voice. <laughs> um, you know, diplomatic now. Um, yeah, I think, well, no, I, I mean, I'd be happy with anyone to win this year. I still think it's between Jürgen and Giuseppe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it just, I don't know. It, it's been like, 
I don't know, it's been heartbreaking sometimes, Jürgen just not doing well, and you just sort of look at him and you're like, oh, Jürgen. I know, he wants so, to prove himself, yeah. doesn't he? He has throughout he the whole thing, wanting to prove how well he could do after the first two weeks of just excelling. He's been sort of just trying to trying to be back at top again, really. And he did succeed, no. so... We'll see mm. how well that works out for Jürgen next week because, again, it's a bit of a different week next week they've got. They are doing free-from oh, yes. week, so they said there's going to be sort of vegan challenges, gluten-free, things like that. And Freya, she would have excelled in that week, definitely. But I wonder I how know. everyone else is going to do. Well, it's funny because people are kicking off or they were kicking off on social media last night going, oh, it's a fix because Freya should be here for this one and they, they left it until later in the series and... It, I don't know, it, it's been weird this series. We had German week with Jürgen and we've then got a free from week where we'd have a vegan challenge yeah. with Freya. Italian um, breads, don't forget those. Ita and baklava <laughs> for the Greek Cypriots. Baklava for the Greek Cypriots. I mean, <laughs> it's an all-inclusive uh, and Twix for the Brits. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's been um, strange this series that Maybe they have covered all bases pretty much, actually, by the time we've had all of these. But um, yeah, it would have been great to have Freya in. But I do think that she went fair and square a couple of weeks ago. Like, she did have a bit of a nightmare of a week. Um, and I would have loved to have seen what she would have done in this one. So gluten-free, um, dairy-free, which I suppose would have worked as well, because obviously vegan and dairy. Yeah. So yeah, it, it's going to be such a good week next week. But it, yeah, I, I would like to... I would like to have known what Freya would have done and what was on her list. Yeah, me too. They, they'll mm. get a taste of what Freya was having to contend with, with aquafaba and things like that. So um, they'll see exactly what it takes to be a vegan or free from baker, which will be quite fun. And it, I guess yeah. the challenges next week, they'll be completely different. And it'll be interesting to see the feedback from what the judges say, because it tends to be a thing where people think, oh, free from bakes, you know, aren't as good at all. They're just missing out on things. But actually, Freya proved that you can make some really good vegan bakes. So it'll be interesting to know what the judges think about everyone's creations next week. I mean, if they don't do a uh, Greg's vegan sausage roll for the technical, I mean, what is wrong with life? Oh, I bet they do a vegan sausage roll. I bet that's it because that's been such a it's trending thing, be. wasn't it? When they brought yeah. it out. So surely, why not? Surely. Greg's might even advertise during the uh, ad break. <laughs> we'll be watching. Well, thanks so much, JP, for coming on again and uh, discussing the madness of caramel. Who knew it could be so mad and dramatic? I love it. I'm, gonna, I'm never going to eat it the same way again. <laughs> exactly. You know just how wrong it could go. So you're going to appreciate every bit of caramel that's right from now on. Yeah, my daily caramel. Thanks, Prue. Yeah, Prue. Come on. She needs to live a little. Come on, Prue. Weird. Anyway, we, we'll be back again. Back on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and on January Media with our episode on Free From Week. See you then. Bye.